and welcome to the sixth episode of Figure It, the podcast where we look at the facts and statistics on Cyprus and figure out what it all means. My name is Fiona Mullen and I'm the Director of Sapienta Economics. Today we're going to be discussing the island's squeaky cheese, Helim in Turkish or Halloumi in Greek, and the Green Line Regulation. It's a tricky topic, uh, but I decided it was time to focus on it as I have realized with the recent news that few people understand it. It's been quite a long time since I last did an episode. I seem to be jinxed with the technology gremlins every time I try an episode. So that combined with a horrible workload has kept me away. But for my first foray back into podcasting, I've invited someone whom I've never seen get ruffled. He oozes calm and collection, and that person is Fikri Toros. Welcome to the program, Fikri. Fiona, thank you very much for having me on Figure Eight, the sixth episode. It's a pleasure to be here. You're welcome. So many of you will know Fikri from his position as president of the Turkish Cypriot Chamber of Commerce, uh, where he served between 2016 and 2018. And he was there during what I call the honeymoon period for relations between both the political leaders, Nikos Anastasiadis, and at the time, Mustafa Akinci, and between the two chamber presidents, Fikri himself and Fidias Pilidis. And Fikri is, of course, too modest to say so, but I think he played a critical role in these uh, good relations and this honeymoon period, right, Vikri? <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Uh, allow me to make a minor correction, please, uh-huh. Fiona. Uh, I, I took over the chamber chair in 2014, not 2016. Ah, okay. so I, I served for two consecutive terms right. amounting to a total of four years. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, it didn't look right. It didn't. <laughs> so um, today... Fikri is now an MP with the Republican Turkish Party, and in that capacity, he serves on the Economy, Finance, Budget and Planning Committee, which kept you up all night on Monday, I believe. <laughs> and this means he continues to deal with uh, subjects like Helim, Halumi, Green Line Regulation and so on. So let's start with the Helim, Halumi news from the previous weeks, and we'll, then we'll move on to the Green Line Regulation. So... Remind us, Fikri, what exactly did the European Commission decide the other week and why was that different and important? Uh, the Republic of Cyprus submitted an application for the protected designation of origin of halloumi back in 2008. But mindful of the fact that halloumi is actually a common cultural product of the whole island of Cyprus, we insisted that uh, the product produced in, in the northern part of the division, uh, called Helim in Turkish, mm-hmm. uh, would also be included in this application. Um, after all, the whole purpose of this application is to protect the designation of origin. And uh, naturally, the cheese product that we're talking about is indigenous to the whole island of Cyprus. Therefore, Helim should have been included mm-hmm. alongside with Halloumi. And um, I'm pleased to say that our efforts proved uh, a successful outcome. Both uh, the Republic of Cyprus and the European Commission found our argument perfectly valid and prudent. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the application was transformed uh, in such a way that it would include uh, Helim and Halloumi. So the procedure began, and then, of course, uh, the ongoing political um, issue on the island and the uh, Green Line regulation, etc., 
uh, introduced a number of implications. Mm -hmm. So in 2015, during a visit to the island, the former president of the European Commission, Jean-Claude Juncker, invited both leaders, uh, Messrs. Anastasiadis and Akunju, for mm -hmm. a meeting uh, in order to find a common ground uh, whereby the application uh, could proceed. And right. um, ah, so they only July... started looking at it in 2015. I thought they yes, sort of made before. a decision and, and then argued about it for six years. <laughs> well, so. well, actually, I mean, I mean, it was filed, uh, but then the procedure could not oh. be commenced until an understanding was reached between the two leaders at the time. Okay. Okay. So um, the two leaders met in July 15 in the presence of presence, uh, President Juncker, and they reached a common understanding whereby um, the um, Green Line regulation would be amended in mm -hmm. order to allow inspection of Hellem by Bureau Veritas, which was yes. an independent inspector body already appointed mm -hmm. in order to, um, to check uh, verification of compliance with the specifications as set out in the application of the PDO. Mm -hmm. And um, subsequently, uh, the amendment of the Green Line regulation was necessitated so that Bureau Veritas could right. cross over to the north and pursue the necessary inspections, you say. So, actually, just to interrupt you there, so the Green Line regulation has already been amended to allow for Bureau Veritas and for Helim? Or, no, for the Bureau um, Veritas part, right? Uh, well, uh, let well, me just uh, explain for our audience. So, so from um, until... Not, not including Helim, um, the, uh, correct my terms if I get them wrong, Fikri, the Turkish Cypriot Chamber of Commerce is the authorised body to, to give, if you like, the stamp of approval for goods that are traded from the north to the south. So it's the chamber which says, yes, this was produced in Cyprus according to the, you know, it's not an import, etc., etc., but with Helim, presumably because it's an it's a, an animal product, they they wanted um, a specialist organisation to do the to do this authorisation. Is that right? It's almost right. First of all, the Turkish Cypriot Chamber of Commerce is authorised by the European Commission as the authorised body in the Turkish Cypriot community to issue all the accompanying documents yes. uh, for, for the green line trade. Yeah. Um, now, in the case of, um, of the necessity to amend the green line regulation, if I can just say the following, uh, back in 2004, when the island acceded into the European Union as a conflicted and a divided island, mm -hmm. movement from north to the south of goods, services, people and motorised traffic Mm -hmm. uh, was regulated by the Green Lion regulation as such that was passed by European Union Council uh, resolution numbered 866. Mm -hmm. Now, in the Accession Treaty of Cyprus, um, mm -hmm. there is a protocol called, uh, named number 10, Protocol yes, 10, yes, which very clearly describes the status of the northern part of the division mm -hmm. and the Republic of Cyprus not having any kind of effect or jurisdiction 
in areas above the dividing line. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, northern part of the island, because it's uh, outside the control of the Republic, uh, which is the official member state uh, within the mm -hmm. European Union, the Aki Communitaire uh, has been left suspended in yeah. the north, pending pending the reunification of the island under a comprehensive settlement. Just just one moment, because we're sort of skipping ahead of ourselves. So let, let me, um, uh, if there are any listeners who don't know the side problem, so on. So just to summarise that in layman's terms, the layperson's terms, the so the whole of the territory of the Republic of Cyprus joined the European Union in 2004, but because it's divided island and so on, the body of EU law known as the Acquis, Acquis Communautaire, is suspended in what is known as the areas not under the effective control of the government of the Republic of Cyprus. And that means Northern Cyprus is outside the customs territory of the EU. And that means that the Green Line is a de facto customs border, even if it's not seen as a national border, but it is de facto customs border. So the Green Line regulation is essentially dealing with all of that, plus the fact that Turkish Cypriots are EU citizens, so have a right to move um, freely within the EU and, of course, within Cyprus as well. So I've caught us up. <laughs> Continue. Thank you, Fiona. Uh, thank you, Fiona, uh, for that uh, perfectly comprehensive update on the Cyprop. Um, as we all know, uh, the importation of uh, live animals, animal products and dairy products into the European Union from third countries, third countries meaning countries outside EU law, uh, mm -hmm. is strictly prohibited. Therefore, in the state uh, that the Green Line regulation stands, uh, importation or trade of any animal products or dairy products is also prohibited. Yeah. Therefore, um, the second uh, proposed amendment on the Green Line regulation um, under this common understanding between the two leaders was to facilitate the trade of Helem through the Green Line. Right. Uh, and both of these uh, amendments were proposed by the European Commission mm -hmm. and the procedure uh, commenced following the publication in the official journal uh, after this uh, common understanding. And the legal procedures were exhausted uh, only recently, you know, mm -hmm. following the unexpected long uh, negotiations with the opponents uh, and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And of course, the pandemic didn't help either. Yeah, yeah. So in April uh, this year, on the 12th of April this year, both the uh, PDO registration of Hellim and Halumi, as well as the modification of the Green Line trade, uh, I beg your pardon, Green, the Green Line regulation, regulation. to facilitate, uh, to facilitate uh, the trading of Hellim, uh, were legalized uh -huh. uh, okay. uh, under, under the commissioners, um, uh, sorry, the College of Commissioners and the European Commission. Right. So... Uh, and so what's the role of Bureau Veritas now? Are they still going to be the ones who will give the stamp of approval, as it were, that, that the Helium is meeting EU standards? Bureau Veritas, as an accredited <coughs> independent inspection uh, authority, was appointed 
in order to check uh, compliance with the specifications of the Heldeman Hadoube right. uh, as set as set out in the application of the PDO. So, ah, so, uh, so they check that it's it's it has the right proportions of sheep and goat's milk and so on. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's, a, it's a verification. It's an inspection of verification of compliance with the recipe, if you like, uh-huh. of the Hellum okay. and Halloumi. So they're not, they're not the, the, um, the health standard requirement no. people? Yeah. No. Um, once the Turkish Cypriot producers um, are ready, uh, meaning uh, they have um, uh, complied with the... Uh, with the health and hygiene standards as set out by DG Sante of the European Commission, mm-hmm. then another inspector body will have to be ap- appointed uh-huh. in order to check verification of safety phytosanitary standards. Right. And right. it's only after then that Helim produced in the north uh, will be able to be traded into the European Union across right. the Green Line regulation. Yeah. Right, right. I, I saw some reports saying that could even be as far as, or, or at least some Turkish separate producers were asking for 10 years or something to, to get ready. Do you have an opinion on how long it'll take? Or? Well, the 10 the, the year transition uh, that has been uh, requested by the Turkish Cypriot side um, was basically intended to uh, meet the uh, required specifications of the Helem. In other words, the majority of livestock milk um, as uh-huh. opposed to uh, cattle milk, you see. Mm-hmm. And also uh, to prepare for the standards, uh, the, right. the, what, what we call the phytosanitary standards. Right. Um, this 10 years was granted during the procedures, but it, it was granted from 2014 uh, onwards, you see. Um, the European Commission didn't expect that the procedures would, would, be co- would take so long to, before they were completed. Uh-huh. So they decided that the 10-year transition would, would uh, be accepted and would commence in the year of 2014, uh, taking us to the year of 2024. Uh, okay. um, as it happened, um, it's taken considerably longer than anticipated to mm-hmm. legalize the application. Right. Uh, therefore, um, where, where we stand today, we've only got three years before the end of that transition. Yeah. And at the moment, both Turkish as well as Greek Cypriot producers are expressing the need to stretch that further yeah. uh, in order to allow uh, for the um, for the development of livestock farming in yeah. order to meet... So it's, it's the, literally know, a case of having enough sheep and goats on the island to be able to meet the PDO standards, right? Well, at the moment, the uh, ratio of livestock milk in the south is about 15% of to- total milk production, mm-hmm. whereas it's only about 5% right. uh, in the north, you see. Yeah. And what's, is, what's the minimum? I forget now, under the latest... Uh, the, the minimum year. is... The, the minimum on day one is 20%, 20%. and then okay. it it will yeah. have to reach to the majority uh, above 50% uh-huh. at the end of the transition, you see. Right, right. So, uh-huh. so okay. the three-year transition as it stands today is considered totally 
insufficient in order yeah. to prepare for this threshold. You right, right. So right. I hope uh, before the uh, legislations enter into force in October 2021, I hope the Commission will issue an, uh, an appendix or something mm-hmm. uh, that will extend this transition. Extend this transition. So, okay. So it's, uh, no, it won't be tomorrow that we get <laughs> green export, we get any helium over the green line, over the green line, at least not, not, not in any, uh, not unless it's in someone's secret pocket, I suppose. No, um, but I, I have to say with the necessary technical and financial assistance, uh, mm-hmm. coupled with, um, you know, the policies, uh, pursued by the Turkish Cypriot authorities, um, in view of the animal population, the capacity and so forth, I believe sometime between five to seven years will suffice in order to meet mm-hmm. these standards uh, right. in the north. But as you correctly say, it won't be tomorrow, you know, yeah. when, when we see helium in the European market. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I found striking, because I was looking at both helium and halloumi exports um, recently for a project I was working on, and... So I know producers on both sides have been moaning, but it's it is a growing market. I mean, exports of helium between the earliest date I could find was 2012. So exports of helium between 2012 and 2019 rose more than fivefold in Turkish lira terms. I think it was about threefold in euro terms. I looked only at 2019. So they got to 186 million by 2019, which at exchange rates of the time was about 29 million euros. And then exports mm-hmm. of halloumi from the south grew more than threefold in the same period. They're a lot bigger, they're 224 million, so nearly 10 times as big. But both, you know, there's a growing market. And interestingly, you know, obviously the Turkish subjects have not been selling into the European Union, but, you know, you'll be selling into a, a captive market, let's say, uh, you know notwithstanding what whatever the Brexit implications might be. I need, I need to look up those statistics, actually, to see what's happened to Halloumi exports since January. But, so anyway, let's, I think we've covered a lot of the Green Line regulation anyway, but let's just have a quick talk about, as you mentioned, one of the, partly because not, nothing really to do with Cyprus, but a lot to do with how the European Union treats countries outside either customs union and or outside the EU, it's pretty restrictive what kind of goods can be traded across the green line, right? So we eventually helium will be allowed. But um, other than that, it's fairly narrow, right? And it's been fairly narrow to date. Is that right? Well, I mean, as far as the regulation is concerned, it, it actually covers a substantial range of products mm-hmm. which are indigenous to, to, to Cyprus, uh, with the exception of animal products and dairy right. products, mm-hmm. milk products, etc. I think uh, the, the, the coverage of the regulation is, is more than enough in order to uh, serve to the purpose of social and economic development of the Turkish Cypriot community. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, that's not where the issue is. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the challenge, the challenges that we have encountered so far have been a very distinct opposition and reluctance of the Greek Cypriot authorities in allowing trade of Turkish Cypriot goods through the mm-hmm. Green Line regulation. I mean, Processed food, for instance, yes. um, we have uh, we have quite a large industry of of 
processed food, um, including uh, beverages, soft drinks, etc. Yeah. Uh, no, none of these are allowed to cross over as a result of the uh, obstruction uh, brought in by the Greek Cypriot authorities. Uh, yes. Their argument is, uh, since we're outside the EU law, and since they cannot have uh, any control over the production uh, in the north, then they will not allow it. But yes. this is strictly not in line with their commitment at their accession treaty into the European Union. Under Protocol 10, they committed themselves yes. Um, yes. that nothing in the protocol should preclude measures with a view to promoting the economic development of the areas outside their control. Yes. Um, is in it, is something I only became aware of recently. So the European, it's one one thing that's clear is the European Commission does not agree with what the Greek Cypriots are doing on the Green Line to prevent processed food. So there was a European Parliament question on this issue, and the European Commission's reply, official reply, which you can find, is um, it said in 2018 the Commission confirmed to the Republic of Cyprus that processed foods of non-animal origin are permitted under the acquis to cross the green line and should not be banned by ROC authorities, unquote. Mm. Um, so it's pretty clear. What happens next? Does, does, it, does somebody have to take them to court or something? Or uh, I mean, legal action is certainly something that we are entitled for. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we have not taken any legal action so far, uh, but we are continuing uh, relentlessly uh, lobbying mm -hmm. in both the Greek Cypriot community as well as at the European Commission. Processed food is not the only uh, yes. uh, only ban banning of the Greek Cypriot authorities. Commercial vehicles. Yes. Uh, with a weight load above seven tons have also been prohibited, even mm -hmm. though they are clearly within the coverage of the regulation. Yes. And as you can appreciate, uh, prohibiting taxis and minibuses and um, commercial vehicles uh, above seven tons also restricts the Limits volume of trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it restricts the volume of trade across the Green Line. Uh, that's why when you look at the sales statistics in recent years, uh, you can comfortably draw the conclusion that the trade has remained very far yeah. behind its potential. Yeah, uh, it's due only to these like, restrictions brought in. It's like 5.4 million uh, in 2019, which was the most recent non-pandemic yeah. year. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. <clears throat> a lot less than is than sold abroad, let's say. Yeah. When I took office at the Chamber of Commerce at the beginning of 2014, the total sales were approximately 3 million euros mm -hmm. worth a year. Yeah. And, and then with all our efforts, and I must say, with our profound relations with the Greek Cypriot Chamber mm -hmm. of Commerce and Industry, uh, owing to the fact that we cooperated and lobbied together in order to expand yes, the yeah. island trade, uh, we managed to bring it up to five and a half million, as you correctly say, just before the pandemic. Of course, the uh, restrictions on movement brought in as part of the COVID measures. Yeah. Uh, the volume of trade contracted by 14% last year, uh -huh. uh, which, which brought the figure down to four and a half million uh -huh. again. But we can comfortably okay. say, 
as soon as normality resumes at the crossings, uh, the, the trade volume uh, can can potentially yeah. reach up to six million. And yeah. if these uh, un- unjust bans are lifted, um, then this volume can comfortably yeah. double. Uh, right. And I'm very confident right. when I say that. Um, I think one of the issues, you know, I keep coming across this is that the very few Greek Cypriots even know that trade across the Green Line is legal, it's an EU regulation, it's legitimate and so on. And there's all of these psychological barriers I did report years and years ago on that uh, for Prio. And also that, you know, if you can go and you can find statistics on the Turkish Cypriot Chamber of Commerce website, you can find Green Line trade statistics, information about the Green Line regulation and so on. You can't find anything on the Greek Cypriot equivalent on the Keve uh, Cyprus mm-hmm. Chamber of Commerce and Industry website. You, I think you used to be able to, but you can't find anything now. Okay, it's trade from north to south, but still, you know, people people need to make contact with each other. And um, mm. there's an equivalent regime that the Turkish Cypriot authorities have for trades going in the other direction, right? So, uh, I mean, one of the things we found in this report, and I'm sure it hasn't changed, was that people said, oh, well, I would be more keen on buying things from the North if I knew my um, political leadership was into it sort of thing. So it's really very much a, um, the Greek Cypriots are, are far more, what's the word, obedient in a way than Turkish Cypriots like that. <laughs> they don't yeah. like to ruffle with the authorities. <clears throat> and they don't get out on the street as much as, as Turkish Cypriots do. But uh, anyway, we'll have to start wrapping it up. But I think I would say, you know, Well, my message to people on green line trade is whatever your politics, if you want a two-state solution, if privately, publicly, whatever, if you want a federal solution, you need trade because it's good for security. I mean, we know this from the history of the European Union. Um, there's, you know, I think the threats to internal security are higher than than are made public. So the more we can consolidate um, trade and economic interests the better anything else before we before we finish well uh the isolationist uh, approach of the greek cypriot leaderships uh towards the turkish cypriots under the status quo uh, have been uh have been very open and very blunt and have been ongoing unfortunately they have always advocated uh, the fact that if they allow the Turkish Cypriots prosper, then their motivation for the reunification of the island would diminish. This is completely wrong. It has Mm. been proven wrong on numerous occasions. And furthermore, if you allow the economic disparity to remain so deep on the island, it will certainly be detrimental to lasting peace once we reach to a comprehensive settlement yes. in, in, in line with the relevant UN resolutions, which is a federation. It's a bizonal, bicommunal federation. Federations can be successful. They can be a total failure. And when you look at those which have failed uh, in, in the world map, uh, you will see that the reason for failure is when one side It ends up being dependent on the other. Yes. So unless unless we converge the two economies uh, during our preparations for a federation, um, I'm afraid uh, we're putting uh, lasting peace at stake. So the Greek Cypriots um, 
approach uh, has got to be reviewed. The civil society is is highly interested um, in moving across the island and, and mm-hmm. being being able and free to to make their own choices of purchases mm-hmm. on, across the island. And this is valid for both Turkish and Greek Cypriots, by the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so restrictions are not uh, in line with the spirit of the European Union, as you correctly said. Uh, after all, the European Union is about solidarity and economies of scale and, uh, you know, joining forces and enjoying synergies, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, the European Commission has been very supportive towards the Turkish Cypriot community. They have stood very firmly behind these two EU regulations, the yes. line regulation, as well as the financial aid regulation. Yes. They still get a lot of bad to... press though, don't they? It's, it's... <laughs> well, yes, well, well be, because, because the uh, Republic of Cyprus is represented in the uh, European Union by mm-hmm. the Greek Cypriots alone. The Greek right, Cypriots right. have m- monopolized the Republic, as you know, um, disregarding the fact that Turkish Cypriots are uh, equally entitled um, co-founders of the yes, Republic of Cyprus, uh, they have disregarded us. So uh, the only channel where we can speak and lobby is along the corridors of the parliament uh-huh. as opposed to the plenary of the, right. of the uh, parliament. Um, this does not help uh, the rapprochement process. It doesn't help confidence building uh, processes whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it, it has to be reviewed. Uh, there's yeah. no doubt about that. Um, I hope that the rapid uh, uplifting of the standards in the Turkish Cypriot community since the EU accession of Cyprus, uh, there has been tremendous progress mm-hmm. recorded in terms of complying with the EU standards. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can comfortably tell you, just basic uh, through basic knowledge, that a lot of uh, our processed food and beverages produced in Northern Cyprus are in compliance of the required standards. Right. Uh, but I- irrespective of this, uh, the Greek Cypriot authorities have not been willing to lift mm-hmm. the ban on trade. Uh, we are able to to export quite um, a lot of these products. Um, sorry, uh, I have to I interrupt because we're about to get cut off. So um, uh, okay. literally, it, I've forgotten that we're doing this on, we should have done it on Skype perhaps. But <laughs> So thank you very much, Fikri. It's uh, fi- My final thing is that this uh, podcast is brought to you by Island Talks. If you like Island Talks, um, go and support them on islandtalks.fm so that uh, all the technology and the um, all the costs and so on can be can be covered none of, none of that money goes to me but you can do press the buy me a coffee button or the patreon button but um, sorry to cut you off there but it literally says we've got less than a minute left so <laughs> thank you very much for your spending time on a busy week and uh, maybe we'll talk again in another podcast the first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.